I know it's the end of spring break, say aww. But if you're awake, say I'm awake. All right, all right. It's all right. Hopefully we'll get better. We'll get better at that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 18. That's where we're going to be today, Luke chapter 18. I feel like there's more space right here. I don't know. It's like the splash zone has moved back a little bit. That's all right. That's all good. Well, we are in week two of our four-week series titled The Road He Chose. And who can tell me what happens here at church in two weeks? Say it out. Easter. Easter happens in two, well, it happened a long time ago, but we're going to celebrate it in two weeks. Um, and for Easter, um, for those that know, that's when we celebrate the resurrection from the dead of Jesus Christ. Um, but there's some things that happened before that uh, that we got to talk about first before we can celebrate that, before we can appreciate that together. And so last week, we talked about Uh, In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we said that Jesus set his face to go towards Jerusalem. He set his face, and we talked about how that meant that he, he was focused. He was zoned in. This was going to happen. This was his mission. There was no turning back from this. This was going to happen, and nothing was going to stop him because he was going to fulfill his destiny. He was going to fulfill the prophecy that had been written about him for a very, very long time. And so he chose to go down this road. And today we're going to continue in that story. And when I mean story, I don't mean fairy tale and I don't mean bedtime story. I'm talking about one of the most recorded historical events in all of mankind history. Christians and non-Christians alike have recorded it. It's almost overwhelming how much evidence there is on this. And then towards the end of today, Uh, we will have the opportunity for those that are followers, believers in Jesus Christ to partake in the Lord's Supper. And my prayer today is that what we're going to talk about today, I really hope you don't miss, what we're going to talk about today should give us a new appreciation and a new understanding of what it is exactly Jesus went through so that when we have that bread and that juice in our hands today, it'll be completely different than what we have ever done before. That's my prayer. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this morning. Father, we thank you uh, just for your word, God, that it is true. God, that it it stands the test of time. It's been the same uh, since the beginning. It's the same now, and it will never change. God, we thank you that your word gives life. And Father, we thank you, um, God, for everyone here today. God, may I move out of the way so that you may speak. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So, um, so I've talked about this movie before, but it's the greatest movie of all time. So, do I need to say it? It's Lion King, all right? It's Hamlet with animals, okay? It's sort of the prodigal son, all right? Yeah, mind blown. Um, So, when I was, when I was four years old, and mom, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when I was four years old, my mom took me to see the Lion King in theaters, and um, there is a part in this movie. And if I'm spoiling it for you, then shame on you for not having watched The Lion King at this point in time in your life. All right, that's on you. Uh, There's a part in the movie where um, some of y'all are like, don't talk about it, please don't talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. We're going to dive right into this. There's a part in the movie where Simba runs into the valley. (gasps) Don't talk about it. I'm going to talk about it, okay? There's a part, and, and the wildebeest run down this valley. And Simba is going to be trampled on And he's going to die. But Mufasa 
his father, the king, sees that this is going to happen and knows what will happen if he jumps in front of him. He knows that he will die, but he knows that in doing so, it will save his child. And he does it. And it was, it, like, I couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't process that. Like, my four-year-old heart could not process what had just happened. Uh, and I don't remember this, but my mom tells me that she had to remove me from the theater uh, because I was on my phone. No. Oh, yeah, by the way. Help me go unplugged. Because I was on my phone? No. Uh, be, because I was talking? No. Because I was wailing my face off at what had just happened on the screen. All right? Fast forward to last summer, all right, where I was not four years old. Fast forward to last summer, uh, my wife likes plays. And so I was like, all right, whatever, we'll go see some plays. We can see it a lot cheaper and, like, be able to pause it and stuff if we just see the movie or we can go watch these people with, like, paint and masks. We can do that, too. So that's what we did. And it was awesome, y'all. If y'all haven't seen it on Broadway at the Hobby Center, it's amazing. It'll, cha- it'll change your life. Even though you've already seen everything, it's just, it'll change your life. And so I know this part is coming up, and, and, and I'm kind of, I was kind of at this weird part where I'm, I'm trying to emotionally get ready for it, but at the same time, I don't want to miss out on, on the weight of what's about to happen. So it was this weird struggle, because you don't want to make a scene but you also don't want to miss it, right? And so it's this weird little balance. You know what I'm talking about. It's this weird little balance. And so it, it, it happens, and I know it's going to happen. And, and y'all, I'm so glad it was dark where I was sitting because I was just, and I, and I was losing it. Grown man in, in a jacket just sitting there losing it. And, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like trying to play it cool. I'm trying to think about like sports or something, you know, like, oh, how did, yeah, the Astros win today. Yeah, okay, okay, cool. Playing it cool, playing it cool. Losing all of like everything uh, right here. But I look over and everybody else is doing that too. But it's, it, it, it's, it's, so, it's so interesting how the act uh, of love through sacrifice can pull at us. And do you know who knows this the best? Walter Disney. Yes, he knows this. He's been doing this the whole time. The whole time. Not just in Lion King, but in a lot of movies, there's uh, some characters that pass, and that gets at us. Um, like Bambi's mom, R.I.P., right? I know, i got to say it. Um, but there, there's like this whole new level when the character sacrifices themselves to let someone else go, a.k.a. Your boy Groot, yeah? Yeah, that moment where he finally says, we are Groot, and I was like, mm, stop, stop, don't do that. And y'all thought he came back. Baby Groot is not Groot, that's his kid. Mind blown, look it up later, not now. Um, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, one of the more underrated movies, part two coming out, right? When he dives into the volcano, sorry if I just ruined that movie. Again, shame on you if you haven't seen it. It's amazing, go back and watch it. It's just a whole other level. And I think that's how we're designed as human beings. That's how God wired us because we know that the strongest force in, in existence is love and the strongest act on acting on love is through sacrifice. This is how we were designed. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what time you lived in, what language, what culture, you can't be helped by move by sacrificial love. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, He said, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And whether you've been at the church 
since you've been in the nursery. Maybe mom had you at church. It was like Christmas play. She was like, I'm not missing this. And they're like, yo, you got to go. And she's like, I'm not missing this. It'll be extra holy if my kid's born at church anyways. And they're like, I don't think that's right theologically, right? You've been here your whole life, or this is your first time at church. And you're like, dude, this dude's weird. This is why I don't go to church. Wherever it is, you've probably heard about the sacrifice of Jesus. So what I hope you don't do is I hope you don't tune that out because you're like, oh, yeah, I heard that story. Or what I do plan to do if I do what the Lord has put on my heart, if I do that faithfully and obediently, which I pray that I do, I'm going to show you a whole different level of what exactly what he went through. You might hear and see some things today that you've never heard in a way or seen in a way before, but I don't do it to shock you. I don't do it to make anyone feel bad, or I don't do it for any, any other reason than for us to gain a greater appreciation for what Jesus did. And once we see what he, what, he, what he did for us, we'll only begin to scratch the surface at the amount of love and the depth of love that he has for us. So let's read again together in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 31. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we, he says, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man, who's the Son of Man? Jesus, that was his favorite title. It was from the Old Testament in Daniel. They would have known what he was talking about. And everything that's written about the Son of Man by the prophets, he's talking about some of the guys that wrote in the Old Testament, will be accomplished. I like how that doesn't say maybe or we will try, but he says we will accomplish this. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. Gentiles are what? Anyone that's not a Jew, okay? Here specifically, it's talking about the Romans. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked, and he will be shamefully treated, and he will be spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus has predicted his death before, but he's never gone into this type of detail. At this moment, they, they, the, the disciples are very confused because they're thinking, finally, the Messiah is here. They're thinking, finally, he's going to overthrow Rome. We're going to run this thing. It's going to be awesome. But the Messiah first has to come to die. See, sometimes we think Jesus is one thing, and we have our own Jesus, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as written about in the Scriptures, and that's who he plans to be, and I thank God for that. So for us to be able to understand and appreciate what Jesus did, we first have to talk about something that is maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but if we don't talk about this, then what Jesus did, it kind of sounds optional. It kind of sounds like, hey, that was nice. Or, or if we're not careful, we can start to think, yeah, I know Jesus had to die for me because he loves me. No. But he did die for you because he loves you. But, but why? Like, why did he have to do that? If he's God, couldn't he have done it any other way? No. So why did he have to do it? And the first thing is our debt, is our debt. Our sin racks up a debt against us, and this debt must be paid. Now, what do I mean by debt? Who could tell me what debt means? Cooper, go ahead. Thank you for raising your hand. Something you owe? Yeah, so it's like, it's like when I go to Torchies, right? Because I, I probably spend too much at Torchies for obvious reasons. Um, and I go, and it's like if, if me and Timmy go, and Timmy for, just, just happens to forget his credit card, right? just happens to, which is like all the time, right? And so I was like, all right, I know what he wants. He probably wants a brush fire, maybe crossroads, for sure wants some chips and queso, 
And then you might want to want one of those like knockoff Cokes that's really good. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. At first I was mad they didn't have regular Coke and Pepsi, but then I tasted it and it was amazing. Don't get me off track. So I pay for his stuff and he's like, dude, thanks for getting me. I'm like, bro, you owe me. <laughs> that's a lot of money. He had a debt. Now that's at a, a, a real small uh, type of example right there. And, and of course, this is on a much greater level, but a debt is when you owe someone something and it is not right until you pay that back in full. It's when you owe someone something and it is not right until you pay that back in full. Romans 3.23, if you know it, would you say it with me? Say it out loud. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every human being that has ever lived has sinned. That's you, that's me, that's everyone in this room. What is sin? It is, it is whenever you think, say, or do anything that contradicts or goes against the holy and perfect character of God. Anything. And because of our sin, we deserve punishment from that sin. Why? Like, why can't God just let that go? Well, think about this. Think about this example. If someone does something horrible, commits a ton of crimes, and he goes before the judge, and the jury's there, the family is there that he did these things against, and everybody's watching, everybody knows he's guilty, and the judge goes, oh, it's cool, man. Just go. That's not a good judge, dude. <laughs> the dude's getting fired, right? Not a good judge. We know that when something's wrong, there must be a consequence. Whether we like it or not, it doesn't really matter. That's what must happen. And so, for God, in order for God to be loving, he must also be just. Just means fair. For if God is not just or fair, he's not really loving at all. In order to be loving, he must be just and he must be fair. So for him to sweep our sins underneath the rug, for him to look the other way, or even for him to wink at our sins as if they did not happen, would not be loving at all. And God cannot do that. All sin is ultimately against God. We get this from Psalm 51, verse 4. And listen to this, guys. Listen to this. I want you to get this. Listen to this, Jack. Because all sin is against God, God is infinite. He is eternal. That means he's never ending. He is infinite and eternal. So when our sin is against an infinite and eternal God, the consequence must be infinite and eternal. You see, the, 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 the punishment must fit the crime. And here's our choices because we're all guilty. Here's our, you got two choices. You ready? Either you pay for your sin for an infinite amount of time separated from God, or the one who is infinite without sin will pay for your sin one time. Let me say that again. Either you will pay for your sin because you are guilty for an infinite amount of time, or the one who is infinite and without sin will pay for your sin one time. And that's what Jesus did. John chapter 3, verse 16. Please say it with me. I want you to yell it out. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean, gave? Have you ever thought about that? He gave it. Like, oh, thanks. He gave. He just passed it over. Oh, that means that he knew he had to give him over to death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 reads this. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. For God made Christ, who never sinned, 
to be the offering for our sin as our substitute in our place so that we could be made right with God through Christ, Jesus being that bridge. But in order for that to happen first, Jesus had to go through a lot of punishment, a lot of suffering, and ultimately through death. Death by crucifixion, if y'all know, um, sometimes in our culture we can, we can um, kind of play it down a little bit. You know, it becomes some jewelry that we wear. I'm not saying it's bad at all to wear that at all, but if it is only jewelry, we're probably missing the point there. But death by crucifixion is one of the most, if not the most, horrible way for someone to die. It is not just the pain itself. It is the way the Romans were experts at dragging out this execution and this pain. They wanted to make sure that this criminal, even though Jesus was innocent, he was treated as a criminal for us, they wanted to make sure this drug out as long as possible. But unfortunately, the pain didn't start at the cross. Let me read this from Matthew chapter 27. I'll have it on the screen. Starting in verse 27, listen to these words. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him, and they took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. This is written about in multiple Gospels. This was written about in the Old Testament. God had told us through his prophets that these things were going to happen. Jesus told his disciples on the way to Jerusalem, these things were going to happen, and they did. Because when God says something is going to happen, something, it is going to happen. This will be accomplished. And if this wasn't enough, before crucifying him, they had flogged him. They scourged him. When I say those words, think whipped. All right? In my ESV study Bible, it's my huge Bible that's like this. It's super heavy. Um, if you don't have a study Bible, please get one. Parents in the room, if your student doesn't have a study Bible, please get one. Get the Lifeway app. They didn't pay me to say this, but just do it. Get the Lifeway app, download it. They got a 40% off coupon. You're welcome. Boom, right there. Moving on. My ESV study Bible says this. This is what they did after they mocked him, spit on him, but before he was crucified. The Roman flogging was a horrifically cruel punishment. Those condemned to it were tied to a post and beaten. Beaten with a leather whip that was interwoven with pieces of bone and metal which tore through the skin and tissue, often exposing the bone. In many cases, in many cases, the flogging itself was fatal. In many cases, people didn't even make it to the cross. Because the flogging, the scourging, the whipping itself was so bad, they would die there from blood loss. The Romans scourged Jesus nearly to death so that he would not remain alive on the cross after sundown because that would have inconvenienced them. I found this on John Piper's website. Um, he's the smart old guy we all went and saw and heard from. That's really smart. You should read from sometime or listen to. 
Um, he has a website called DesiringGod.org after his book, and they, the, the guy that wrote this article got, the, these, uh, got these sentences from a book written by Fleming Rutledge in her book, um, The Crucifixion, Understanding the Death of Jesus Christ. And listen to these words. These words are a little heavy. All right, I'm going to read from this, and then I'm going to show us a video that helps explain certain things because I'm visual. Listen to these words. Crucifixion as a means of execution in the Roman Empire had as its express purpose the elimination of victims from consideration as members of the human race. It cannot be said too strongly. That was its function. That was why they did it. That was the reason. That was the only purpose. It was meant to indicate that the crucified persons, the one on the cross, were not of the same species as either the executioners or, look at this word, the spectators, those watching, those cheering it on. That's what he deserves. He's claiming to be God. That's what he deserves. Therefore, the mocking and jeering that accompanied the crucifixion, they were not only allowed, but they were part of the spectacle. In a sense, crucifixion was a form of entertainment. Everyone understood that the specific role of the passerby, meaning that one that was there, or hey, I'm walking by, hey, all y'all, I'll stop and watch this. Everyone knew that the specific role of the passerby was to intensify the dehumanization of the person who had thus been designated to be a spectacle. And then she says this, according to the Christian gospel, the Son of God voluntarily and purposefully absorbed all of that, drawing it into himself. This is what Jesus did. I found a video of this trauma surgeon that that we'll show here, um, and he talked about uh, what Jesus went through physically, um, also emotionally, psychologically. Uh, and he goes through just, in a, just a, from a medical perspective what Jesus would have went through starting in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's watch this video. Yeah, I, I believe that Christ's suffering uh, and the demonstration of the kind of um, physiologic stress that his human body was under uh, is manifested in the Garden of Gethsemane, where it's described that he was sweating blood. And there, are, there is a well-documented uh, medical condition in which patients who are under tremendous amount of uh, emotional stress and physiological stress can, in fact, uh, sweat blood because little blood vessels within the glands burst and, the, and then the blood is expressed. The, the, the scourge involved the use of a, a short whip with pieces of uh, typically metal, sometimes bone, sometimes pieces of porcelain wrapped in these leather straps, which is then utilized to, to come across uh, typically the back, the shoulders, the legs of the victim. Uh, and uh, the first few passes across a particular body part would tear through the skin, the fat, uh, but eventually, once the outer layers were, were uh, torn away, it would start getting in the muscle and the tendon. And of course, Along the way, you're ripping through all the blood vessels that supply all those tissues. And so you're losing blood the whole time. 
The plant that was described um, uh, actually had a very long thorn, um, not the little thorns that we would think from a rose bush. These were thorns that were uh, typically an inch and a half to two inches in length. The scalp is one of the most vascular portions of our body. It's got a huge blood supply up there. So then having those thorns shoved down into the, you know, down onto the bony plate would have gone through all the scalp which in and of itself would have created a huge amount of blood loss. Uh, I've seen people actually bleed to death from just a scalp injury. So uh, it's not a small injury to have, uh, who knows, dozens uh, of these things shoved into your scalp. And so that would have caused more blood loss. Typically when a victim has to uh, uh, carry the cross, what has been described uh, in the literature, in, in actual Roman literature, is they, they describe, the, they, they carry the crossbar. Uh, and the crossbar is estimated alone, was estimated to weigh about 110 pounds. And of course, if your arms are stuck out here, wrapped up on the cross, crossbar, and you fall down, you need help getting up. You, you, you just can't get up on your own because there's no possible way without your arms to get up. So he would have needed help getting up. If he, fall, if he fell over, there's a good chance that he could have hit his chest, which, which then could account for the possibility of a cardiac injury. Anatomically, we consider the wrists as part of the hand. And so uh, with the placement of the nails between the radius and the ulna, at that position, it, it still fits, fits the definition of being in the hand and it's in a position in which the nail won't rip out, which you have to have, you have to have a solid point of fixation. Uh, another interesting point about the placement of that is the median nerve goes right straight through that particular uh, 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 portion of the wrist. And so there would have been uh, either destruction of the nerve or, or impingement of the nerve that would have created tremendous amount of pain so that every time you try to take a breath, you'd be, it'd be agonizing. You'd be pushing down on spiked feet which of course hurt, and then you'd be hanging on spiked arms. And so you alternate from excruciating pain to excruciating pain every time you take a breath. So, so even if he survives the actual crucifixion, he would have had to survive what I believe to be a, a, a lethal injury from the spear just to find out whether he was alive or not. What's described is the loss of water and blood and that would entail either the, the uh, uh, either a pleural effusion or pericardial fusion, and the blood would have come from either pulmonary artery, pulmonary vein, the aorta or vena cava, or the heart itself. None of those injuries, unless you're treated immediately by a trauma surgeon like myself, with all the advanced equipment that we have, would be survivable after even a few minutes. Um, that video uh, is hard to watch. Um, he even says at the end of the video, it goes on a little bit more, um, he says at the end that because of his understanding of what Jesus went through, that it's, it's hard for him to even sing songs about the cross. And, and, and not, that it's, not that it's bad uh, or, or anything like that, but, but that he knows what Jesus went through and that he knows that in order for someone to do that, this has to be a love that is, that is not of, of this world.
This has to be a supernatural love. This has to be a love that comes from someplace else. For someone to do that for someone else. And this is my last point before we close, is that Jesus decided to do that. He set his face to go towards Jerusalem, knowing what was ahead of him, knowing that all of these things were going to happen. It's not like Jesus didn't know. It's not like Jesus was caught off guard. He had a moment in the garden where his, his human side really showed to where he, he's sweating drops of blood because of, of the amount of stress and the weight that's on him of what, what's about to happen. But he says, Father, if there's any other way, can we have that way? But if not, if this is your will, let's do it. Let's do it. And Jesus decided to go to the cross. You know, sometimes people say, man, I don't know if this whole Jesus thing is, is worth it. I don't know, this whole Jesus thing, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know, I kind of want to be young, you know. I'll do that stuff when I'm older. That's what old people do, you know, whatever. I don't know if this whole thing is worth it. Let me just lovingly say that the question is not, is Jesus worth it? But the question is, were we worth it? The question is, are, are we worth what Jesus went through? That's the real question at hand here because Jesus, you had to think, he had to, he had to think of that himself. Not as if he wasn't going to do it, but he's thinking, is this, is this worth it to be the suffering Savior that's written about in Isaiah 52 and 53, hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth? The crucifixion is written out in detail, Jack. In detail. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's got to be thinking, is, is this worth it? Was it worth it to be separated from the Father on the cross? Some people say that that moment right there was worse than the actual pain, the moment where Jesus was separated from the Father. That is the moment where the Father turned his back. That is the moment where God and his wrath that was pointed directly at us, the scope was on us, for his righteous wrath to be poured onto us, that he poured it onto Jesus, and Jesus took that on. And all of this for sinners? People say, is Jesus worth it? Well, the whole thing is, logically, humanly speaking, we were not worth it either. But I'm so thankful that, that God doesn't work like that. I'm thankful that his love transcends that. And he said, no, they are worth it. They are worth it. Hanging on the cross, they are worth it. On his way to the cross, you are worth it. How do I know that? Well, I know it because Jesus went through with it. And also in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him... He endured the cross, despising the shame. As I close, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And, and, and I think about, you think about these things and you see what Jesus has gone through. And it's only through his amazing grace and this amazing love that he could possibly go through these things for sinners. For sinners. Like, that doesn't make sense. Have you ever thought about before? Like, why would he die for me? Why would he die? If you do the math, like, it doesn't add up. That's his love. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. That's why we sing these songs. That's why we come here. That's how he transforms us is through that love in our hearts. It's because it doesn't make sense, and we don't deserve it, and there's nothing we can give him, but yet he died for us. And not just death, but he went through all of these things. Why? Because he loves you. And he has so much more for you than what this world could possibly offer. That he got off of his throne. you got to think about the comfort on his throne. And he gets off and he comes down to be with us. And he lowers the, himself to the form of a servant. And even to the point of death. Death on a cross.
Jesus made the decision to go to the cross because he knew that you were worth it. Whether you feel like you deserve it or not, you were worth it because of Jesus' love. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.